0: Amen. Thank you, ladies. He is risen. Have you ever had something you just really look forward to? A sense of expectation. Uh, I know as a, a kid, always looked forward to Christmas. And I can remember thinking, All right, how many days is it till Christmas? And I usually had my own list. Man, I knew what I wanted. And I really looked forward to that stuff. Um, Rock'em, sock'em robots. I remember I wanted a stereo complete with 8-track and cassette. And record player. Um, You know, bicycles. Uh... You know, but as much joy as I would have that day, it seemed like that joy would fade really quickly. And as a kid, that would disappear so fast. But you know what? I'm still a kid. I am God's kid. And this is kind of like my Christmas, except it's Easter. And there's a gift that I have, and its significance doesn't fade. And that's why we're here. We are here because we believe that God's gift is enough, has paid for us. Th- this morning, I want to look at the account of the resurrection in John chapter 20. I want to read verses uh, 10 through 18. We're going to look at a large portion of the chapter. And, and as I looked at it, I thought, you know, if you look at this section of Scripture, it gives us a beautiful description of, Of the resurrected life. And we're going to look at that this morning. We're going to look at a lady who understood she was forgiven. And we're going to look at the fact that we need to go out with the message that you can be forgiven. And finally, that there's more to come in Him. But turn with me, uh, John chapter 20. And this morning I I just wanted to read 10 through 18 section where Jesus appears to Mary i ask when you find that, if you would stand in God's honor, as I read. Then the disciples went back to their homes, but Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and saw two angels in white, seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put Him. At this she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. Woman, He said, Why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking He was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, "Mary." She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabboni," which means "Teacher." Jesus said, "Do not hold on to me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to my brothers and tell them I'm returning to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God." Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, "I have seen the Lord." And she told them that He had said these things to her. Let's pray. Master, uh, thank You. You are love. You are the fulfillment of love. You are love Himself. We are here because You are alive. We have hope because the grave is empty. We have a mission because You want others to know. And Lord, I just pray you grab hold of our hearts this morning, God. Father, I am weak, but you are strong. Speak to us, God. We need to hear from you, Lord. I need the feeling of your spirit. I need your anointing, your touch. And I just need to know that your spirit continues to move in this service. You move us far through what we have done for you. I just pray you keep it up, Lord. I don't want to block what You want to do, Lord. We need You. Speak to our hearts. In Your name we pray. Amen. It had been a tough couple of days for those who love Jesus. I mean, after all, at one time He was popular, at least among a large segment of the community. But then when it came time to choose who would die, they chose this guy who was a real lowlife. A guy who had committed of crimes. And instead, they said, Jesus is the one who should die. They said, crucify Him. Let Barabbas go free. And and these ladies... And and we we meet here as, as it starts out in John chapter 20, Mary Magdalene. We meet Mary. And you see, she... She loved Jesus and and, and she stayed close as she could as Jesus went through that tough time. As He faced the beatings, as He had to carry the cross, as He hung up on the cross. And we mentioned this morning that she and some other ladies watched from a distance. And I had said, "I, I felt like the reason they watched from a distance was because it was just too painful to get too close. Because they had felt their hearts grow real close To Jesus, Why? Because they saw in Jesus something they wanted, something they had been looking for their whole lives. And Jesus, that was it. He was the One. I believe they were convinced He was the Promised One. But He hung up on the cross and and He went through all that rejection and, and all that pain. And then He said, It is finished. And I said this morning, He didn't say, I'm finished. Praise God. He said, It is finished. But then He was placed in a tomb. And it was a tough time for Mary. She she had grown to love Christ. And and why? why? Why was she so close to Him? Why did Jesus mean so much to her? Why was she so moved that she couldn't rest through the night? Why was it that she prepared these spices? Why was it that she would take that journey up to the tomb? Why? Because Jesus had first loved her. Jesus had forgiven her. We read uh, about... uh, Turn with me to Luke chapter 2. Just a brief verse here that tells us about this lady. Let me start verse 1. It says, After this, Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with Him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and diseases. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had come out. Why did she love Jesus? Because when she met Jesus, evidently she had been possessed by seven demons that wanted to ravage her, that wanted to destroy her, that wanted her to be miserable, that had her in bondage. And guys, she was just flat out miserable until she met Christ who cast these seven controlling demons out of her. You know, I got to thinking about that. I thought, what, what would happen with those demons in control of her? What was life like? And it, it brought me to John chapter 10. You guys know in verse 9 where Jesus said, I am the gate. And He says, whoever enters through Me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find the pasture. And then the next verse, Jesus says this. He says, the thief has come to steal kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life. Now, these demons had entered her, controlled her. What was their goal? To steal and to kill and to destroy. How would they want to steal? How would they want to kill? How would they destroy? I thought of two primary areas. First, in her health. God loves us. We're His creation, made in His image, precious to Him, and it breaks His heart when we destroy these bodies. And and yet, so often, when people follow the pattern of this world, what happens? They begin to destroy their bodies through drug use. So often, you know, I just want to get that high. I just want to. I just want to get that fulfillment. I just need that feeling. And then through instant gratification, the misuse of sexual encounters to steal and to kill and destroy, to take away the real capacity, guys, to know love and to know intimacy by being a woman who just simply gave her body away at every turn. has she listened to, maybe somebody will love me if I just give myself to this man and to that man and to this one. And maybe then somebody will finally love me. Care about me. But the drugs wouldn't work. Sexual encounters wouldn't fulfill. And, and I thought, you know, what, what kind of names would, what would she be known by? now? I just wrote down, if, you know, in modern terms, maybe when people looked at Mary, they said, there's junkie, or stoner, or druggie, or scum, bum, Low life. horror. When they saw Mary on the street, when they thought about her, when they spoke about her behind her back, maybe these were some of the names they referred to her as, but that was before she met Jesus. Guys, that changed. Because Jesus changed her. What happened? Now, I want to look at a passage here. Now, this doesn't say it's Mary. But when I think about how demons wanted to ravage her... And how they ravage people today. Sure kind of fits the description of a lady like her. Look with me in Luke chapter 7. Starting at verse 36. It talks about a lady who had come to Jesus. And she was broken. And she wanted to worship Him. She anointed His feet. Now, don't get this mixed up when... Jesus went over to Mary and Martha's house, their friends. and Mary came out and broke the perfume and placed it on Jesus' feet. And Judas got all mad and said, Oh, what's she doing wasting all this money? It was a lot of money that could have been given to the poor. What a waste. But the whole time it says he was really wanting to steal some money, you know, and he thought, man, this is money I could have had. But that's not the account. This is a different account. And and look at this. uh, It is Luke chapter 7, starting at verse 36. It says, Now one of the Pharisees invited Jesus to have dinner with him. So he went to the Pharisee's house and reclined at the table. When a woman who had lived a sinful life in that town learned that Jesus was eating at the Pharisee's house... She brought an alabaster jar of perfume. And as she stood behind him at his feet, weeping, she began to wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured for perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, if this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she is, that she is a sinner. Jesus answered him, Simon, I have something to tell you. Tell me, teacher, he said. See, Jesus could hear his heart, couldn't he? Two men owed money to a certain moneylender. One owed him 500 nairi, the other 50. Neither of them had the money to pay him back, so he canceled the debts of both. Now, which of them will love him more? Simon replied, I suppose the one who had the bigger debt canceled... For she loved much. But he who has been forgiven, little loves little. Then Jesus said to her, Your sins are forgiven. The other guests began to say among themselves, Who is this who even forgives sins? Jesus said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is why she loved Jesus. Now, I don't know. I'm not... I can't say for sure that this woman was Mary Magdalene, but the principle's the same. Here was a woman who had sinned, and 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 she was cast away, and she was mocked, and she was ridiculed, and she had made mistakes that couldn't be forgiven, and she could never be respected or or looked to in a in a a way that you say, you know, I want my kids to be like her. She she blew it, but yet when she came to Jesus, she was broken. And Jesus looked at her and He He loved her and He forgave her. And He said, you know, she loves me much because I was able to forgive her much. And you know, as I look at Mary here and as I think about the description of the Christian life, guys, that is so critical. It it, It must be a critical part of our lives as His followers, as His kids. We must stop and we must say, God, You've forgiven me. I'm a sinner. And God, because you have forgiven me much, because you've loved me so much, God, help me love you. Help me follow you. Help me go where you want me to go, God. Help me to always remember it's because you have forgiven me. And I, I believe that's what drove Mary. Let's go through the text here. It says, early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb saw the stone had been removed from the entrance. She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one Jesus loved, and said, they've taken the Lord out of the tomb. We don't know where they've put him. So Peter and the other disciple started for the tomb. Both were running, but the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. It's believed that Peter was the older guy and we know how that goes, you know, 10 years on a guy, gets a gut and he can't run as fast. And So John outran him, got in the tomb first, first, or started going to go in the tomb. He stopped, he didn't enter. Peter, out of breath, he manages to come in, looks around. He bent over, looked at the strips of linen lying there, but John didn't go in, then Peter Behind him arrived, went in the tomb, saw the strips of linen lying there as well as the burial cloth that had been around Jesus' head. The cloth was folded up by itself separate from the linen. Found the other disciple who had reached the tomb first also went inside. He saw and believed they still did not understand from Scripture Jesus had to rise from the dead. Mary comes to the tomb. The body is missing stones rolled away. Her natural assumption is, they have taken His body. This one who forgave me. This one who loved me. This one who received me. Everybody else mocked me and cursed me and ridiculed me, but not Jesus. He set me free. And she didn't know what to do. So she ran to Peter and John, who she loved and respected, because they had followed Jesus too. And they came running looking for Him. And you know, I love it, someone in the tomb said there's at least two miracles there that came in. The body was missing, and second, a single man folded his clothes. But you know, you do look at that, what a miracle. I mean, if a thief, if a grave robber had come in there, they would certainly not have taken the time to unwrap the body and to carefully wrap up the linen. And to fold it nicely and put it in place. No, they would have come in there, and the place would have been in shambles, and it would have it would have been in a hurry to get the body out of there. But it wasn't that somebody came in the tomb, guys. It was that he went out. You see, that's what it's about. They were moved and anyway, going in the scripture, it says the disciples went back to their homes. Mary stood outside the tomb crying. She wept. She... Bent over to look in the tomb. Saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been. One at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, Woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they put Him. Then she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. She did not realize it was Jesus. So she turned. She saw this guy. But she didn't recognize him. She's still broken. But then he, this one speaks, woman. Why are you crying? Who is it you're looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, "Sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you put him, and I'll get him." She still didn't recognize him. But then Jesus said to her, "Mary." She turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, "Rabbi," which means teacher. You know, I I love it. As I looked at this, she was broken. She still didn't get it. She saw this man standing there. She thought, well, maybe he knows what happened to the body. But when Jesus addressed, when He spoke, she didn't get it. But when He spoke to her, she got it. He spoke directly to her. And guys, that's that's what happens in the resurrection. One of the things of beauty... Is, is, you're forgiven and you grab hold of your forgiven, but it starts when Jesus seeks you out personally. He has to open your heart and He has to open your eyes and He has to say, I'm alive. Trust me and you will have life. And, and, and guys, He, He, he spoke to her and, and then she couldn't stand it. She, she just came to Him and she hung on and she embraced Him. And why, and, and you know, I, I just think it was, man, what a beautiful, what a beautiful event. Why did she hold him so much? Because, man, she had been forgiven much. She got it. And Kingsway, God's kids, you who've been made new by way of Jesus, understand that. Never lose sight. You've been forgiven. I've been forgiven. That's so critical. So critical. Um, Second, uh, not only... Do we need to remember we've been forgiven? But others need to hear that message. So Jesus sent her. Notice, uh, He says to her, verse 17, Do not hold on to Me, for I have not yet returned to the Father. Go instead to My brothers and tell them I am returning to My Father and your Father, to My God and your God. Mary Magdalene went to the disciples with the news, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that He had said these things. To her. She was just holding on to Him in worship. And he said, okay Mary, I, you know, I like times of worship. But it's time to let go. And it's time to go. You know, it's interesting. God saw our need. So the Father sent the Son. The Son did His work. So the Son sent the Spirit. And the Spirit comes to live in His people. But it's all to go because God sends. God sent His Son. The Son sent His Spirit. And He wants to enter your life. And He has a mission. It is to go. And I want you to see as we go down through here, uh, verse 19, it says, On the evening of the first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands inside. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you as the Father has sent me. I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they're forgiven. If you do not forgive him, they are not forgiven. He was giving them the message that sets people free. It wasn't that they were personally able to forgive. It was that they had this message that was sent directly to them that was to be passed on that sets people free. And that's that Jesus is alive. What is the Gospel? What is the message Mary sent to them? The message that's to be carried out? It's that He lived among us as God Himself without sin. He was crucified. He was placed in a tomb. But He is now alive. He came forth from the grave. And we can trust in that life and have life. And He's sending them out on that mission. And He still sends us out on that mission today, guys. Now, turn me to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I just want to read a couple of verses uh, quickly. It talks about our mission. 5.17-21 Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. He's a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. All this is from God who reconciled us to Himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to Himself in Christ, not counting men's sins against them, As we are to be ministers of reconciliation with a message of reconciliation. There's a world out there that is totally screwed up. And He's sending us out there. And I've been asking God, God, show me. Lord, just show me what You want me to do. What You want me to say. Who You want me to be. Uh, I was at the YMCA the other day and uh, I was listening to these guys in the steam room and uh, this lady named Tanya had died and Tanya had brought a lot of joy she had a heart attack to people she was um, struggled with mental retardation and, and it was just like a child even though an adult and they were this guy was over there he was crying he was saying I, I miss her she really touched my life and then he said you know some people say there's something more when you die he said i hope that's true And I wish I could say to you, man, you know, that I sat there and talked to him about the gospel. But I didn't. And it haunted me all day. I thought, I know I should have talked to him, Lord. I'm just being honest with you guys. But I thought, the way he said that, I think he heard it, but he doesn't believe it. And then God just got a hold of me he said, and then I God got a hold of me, he said, You know, I need to I need to speak it, I need to tell it, but but God also wanted to just leak out of me in such a way, God, that they're drawn to you. Just through me, whatever I'm doing, whatever I'm saying. Because God, it's like He didn't know. I mean, he didn't know here in Bristol where there's a church on every corner, and and it's on the radio and on TV, and and, and I'm not, and I know we got to tell it, but somehow he's missed it. And, and God, may it be my words, but may it be my life as a ministry of reconciliation, as a message of reconciliation. May it be me, and, and that's what that's what Jesus was saying to them. I'm sending my Spirit to enter your life, guys, so that when you go out, you are taking me with you. To touch lives and to make a difference. It says in Galatians 5.16, Walk and live habitually in the Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of human nature without God. It says, let my Spirit fill you and spill through you to touch lives. And then in verse 24, you, you drop down. He says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus the Messiah have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature without God. He says, so that I'm your life. And not not just living for selfish passions and pursuits, but that I'm your life. And then I love the next verse, verse 25. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I think about that sometimes, guys. I think, God, as I go today, Lord, I want to step where you've already stepped. I want to be in step with your Spirit. Help me see your footprint so that I may walk like Jesus. Ministry of Reconciliation. And that last thing here, and I'm done. I already looked. I see I'm after 12 here. There's more to come. You know, we think about the fact that Calvary, the cross, we tie that, of course, to the festival of the Passover where there had to be this lamb That was a Passover lamb without blemish or defect. And God says, you know, there's no remission of sin without the shedding of blood. Unless there's a blood sacrifice, then forgiveness can't happen. And He said that although there were so many lambs who died, the blood would flow on that day of Passover and that festival to to say, God, we need to be forgiven as a people, as, as a land. And then Jesus came and He said, my blood... I'm the perfect lamb, and, and no longer do all these lambs need to be sacrificed. My sacrifice is enough. And, and we think of that, and, and it is a beautiful picture, but that's not the only festival. You know, on the resurrection day, this day that we love, that we celebrate, that we look forward to, there's another festival. It's the festival of the first fruits. And, and here's what happened on the festival of the first fruits the people would come and at the time of harvest, they would bring the first and the best of what was harvested. And they would present it as a sacrifice to God. And, and what they'd say is, they'd say, Lord, you're good to me. You've allowed me to have this crop. And I'm coming and I'm offering this to you as a way of saying, I trust you, Lord. I trust you that there's going to be more to come. You see, because when they brought that first and the best of the harvest, they didn't know what could happen. It could be pestilence. It could be drought. It could be a flood. <laughs> it could be blight. I mean, you know, locusts. I don't know, I man. All kinds of things could come and wipe out the rest of the harvest, the, the crop that is to come. But they came anyway, and they came in faith saying, God has provided and He will continue to provide. There is more to come. And and you know what? The resurrection, Jesus is the first fruit. He is the one, and by being raised from the grave, He says, guys, I have come as the perfect sacrifice, the first sacrifice, the one who's paid the price, that's worthy before God. But you know what? There's more to come! I love it in James chapter 1, verse 18, it says, He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might become the kind of first fruits of all He created. The word of truth, the fact that Jesus saves, forgives, enters our hearts, that He is that perfect sacrifice, guys, that He makes us new people, forgiven. When we cling to His word, His truth, by faith, the grace enters and forgives. And He chose us, it says, before the foundation of the world. (laughs) He, He looked at us and He loved us. And turn me to Romans eight here. I'm closing it up. So I thought about this in Romans eight. Man, the first fruits—what God has offered before us. What well, what a beautiful hope that we have. Starting at verse, let started here at verse twenty two of Romans eight. It says, "We know that the whole creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. Not only so, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly as we wait eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what he already has? But if we hope, for we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So what's he say here? He says, man, the whole creation's groaning. For Jesus to return. For God to make things as they're meant to be. He says, not only creation itself. He says, but you and I. God's creation. A new creation in Christ Jesus. Old is gone, new is come. We too groan. Man, we've been adopted as His kids. Grafted into His family. He says, but there's more to come. And I love that. He says, it's my hope. I wait eagerly for it. The redemption that He will provide. I'm redeemed, but I'll be fully redeemed. He says, I hope that was saved. Hope that seemed no hope at all. I'm not hoping for what I've already here. There's more to come. There's more to come. You know, I love a story. You guys have heard it, but it's cute. About the lady, you know, she told a preacher. She said, now preacher, I want you to make it clear to the funeral director and everybody else says, when well, they put me in that casket and club me, I want a fork in my hand. And he said, what are you talking about? She said, well, it's like this. When I was a little girl, he said, man, we love to eat. And we'd have those get togethers and the food was awesome. And some of them would come and start collecting plates and they'd say, now keep your fork because there's more to come. The dessert's coming. Keep your fork. There's more to come, child of God. There is more to come. And I guess as I come to the end of this, as I look at this description of the resurrection, these three things are so important, guys. Do you know his forgiveness? Have you been forgiven? If you have, live in that forgiveness. Don't ever forget. Remember. And remember, others need that forgiveness. And He sends us to go. And then thirdly, there's more to come. And I don't know where you are. Do you understand that? Do you know that? I mean, is God more like a distant relative or is He your dear daddy? Who is He to you? And if we have a time we call invitation, I don't know, maybe God spoke in your heart. Maybe you have never said, God, I, I need to be forgiven. Enter my heart. Change me. If so, this time's for you to respond, to come forward to this altar, to pray, to come before me and, and let me pray with you and then say before God's people, God's changed my heart. He's made me a new person. He's forgiven me. Or maybe there's just something you need to get right with God, you need to deal with. Maybe you just haven't been doing what He says to do. And now's the time to say yes, to live in Him. Come. Guys, this is the day. This is resurrection day. This is like the the big kid's Christmas because he's come with a gift that doesn't fade or diminish. And we need to live in that gift, the gift of eternal life. Let's pray. Lord, good to be in your house today. Father, I pray for these people I love, Lord, and for myself. We're prone to forget how we've been forgiven. And we're prone to forget that others need to be forgiven. And God, this is not all there is. There's more to come. Lord, what do You want to do this morning? Who do You want to transform? You know my prayers been that You would transform lives around here, God. And I just pray, Father, that You're doing it now. And Father, may You, in Your movement of the Spirit, just help us come in obedience to You. To make decisions You want made, Lord. At the altar. Before your people. Because that concretes what you're doing. That says this is not something I intend to do. This is something I am doing. So Lord, have your way. May you speak. And may we come. In your name we pray. Amen.